ओम ज्ञानचिमीरंधस्यज्ञानंजन शलाकाय all right. Okay, here's the first question then. I have heard it is not necessary to chant the Panchatapa mantra before each round of japa, but only at the beginning of chanting our rounds, or if we do not chant all our rounds at once, then before each set of rounds. Is it so? Or if it is not, why and how should we do? Thank no. you. Uh, you're supposed to translate simultaneously, isn't it? Is it or not? Oh, okay. Oh. Why? My question. Why not? It becomes so slow. You have all that fancy equipment there. You can't arrange it. You can get a simultaneous translation. Without microphone. Have a highly qualified translator who's well practiced in simultaneous translation. All right, so here is the answer. I'm just waiting for you to catch up. Well, I wrote in the Beginner's Guide to Krishna Consciousness in the first edition that before each round you should chant the Hare Krishna Mantra. Of the, of the Hare Krishna Mantra, we should chant Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shiva Sadi Gaur Bhaktivrinda which was what I was taught when I joined the temple. But... As we are now discovering, not everything that we were taught when we joined the temple was coming from Srila Prabhupada. What happened is that after the Adi Leela chapter 7 of Chaitanya Charitamrita was first published as a book called Lord Chaitanya in Five Features, uh, this was introduced because in there, Prabhupada writes that before chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, one should chant Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shiva Sadi Gaur Bhaktivrinda. So devotees thought that, oh, then we should chant before each round. But actually Prabhupada never said that. Originally, in, in chanting Japa, people would chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, or something approximately like that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that was it. There was no chanting of the Panchatattva mantra before that, but that was introduced after Prabhupada wrote that. But Prabhupada did never actually said that we have to chant that before each round or even before any rounds. So... There's no specific prescription that we have to do so before chanting any rounds. You can do it, there's no harm, but it wasn't introduced to do, it's not compulsory, and it wasn't introduced to do so by Srila Prabhupada. Um, yeah, so that's it. You can just pick up your beads and chant Hare Krishna. But we, you can do. Uh, the, the question did come to Prabhupada that, well, can we chant rounds of, of the Panchatava Mantra? And Prabhupada specifically said, no, not to, not to do this. That's a speculation. Chant Hare Krishna. So, if you want, you can chant before doing so, but it's not compulsory. So, in the new edition of the Beginner's Guide, it doesn't say that anymore. 
And we, we had to be very careful that what we, you know, we said Prabhupada said this, or when I joined it was like this, but it's not necessarily when, when we joined that it's what Prabhupada instituted, maybe things that devotees speculated in those days also. Speculation didn't start on November the 15th, 1977. It was going on even before. Um, what else did I want to say in this regard? Something else. Yeah, but I forgot. So, memory is like that. Matasmriti jnanam apohanam cha. So, it left my memory now. One other thing I was going to say about this. There's so many questions. And you have questions also. How, how was Srila Baladev Vidya Bhushan? Question. I don't understand the question. It has to be more specific. Oh, it's all from one person. So many questions. In the Nectar of Instruction, text 1, page 10 down. Is there the name? Is there the name Haritaki? Oh, it's mentioned about Haritaki. It's mentioned about Haritaki, that devotees don't take Haritaki. Well, it's the name of a herb found in India, which is very good for digestion. I don't know the English or Croatian name. I'm not sure even if there is one. So, therefore, Prabhupada just referred to it as Haritaki. It's not a non-Vaishnav preparation. It's not intoxicating. But Srila Bhaktisdhan Sarasar Thakur mentioned it as one of the ingredients that is sometimes taken for sense gratification. But that doesn't mean that it's totally banned for Vaishnavas. Okay. The next. Anyway, this is all from one person. So generally, we want to take from different... You have some questions given to you? Today in your lecture you said that Shula Prabhupada said that all women should marry. Uh, I've read in a book of Tathrat Maharaj that Shula Prabhupada also said uh, that Shula Prabhupada also proved the solution that if the Mataji wants to live a uh, renounced life and not marry, it is also okay. Hmm. Yeah, the general prescription is they should all get married. But he also did, in his books, which are most authoritative, he wrote that. Um, but he also said sometimes in personal dealings, he said like for the Catholics they have nuns. So he said that's also possible. He did say that, yeah. There are some Matajis in our movement who have remained unmarried and steady. I mean, I can think of one anyway who's in Denver in USA who's been distributing books all her life. And she must be, I don't know, 50-something, maybe 60, I don't know. But Prabhupada said, but he, and, and there, was an, there was another case someone referred to me. I think Vidya Purna Maharaj was telling me. He said there was one <coughs> lady disciple of Prabhupada's in Calcutta. 
And she was saying, well, can I remain unmarried? And Prabhupada said, you can do if you like. He said, it'll be very difficult for you. But it's, you you can do. I, I, I don't need water. I need a better voice. It's a, it's a chronic problem. I have of a weak voice. So, it's possible. Nidra in Denver, yeah. She's married? Oh, I didn't know. I was under the impression she wasn't married. Somehow. How did I get that impression? She's married? Her husband's there in Denver? Oh. Someone told me she wasn't married. Oh, wow. There you go. It was the last one, my wife. It was the last one. No more. No, that was the last one. You probably is gone. You saw this. Well, there you are. It's it's a natural position for a woman to be uh, protected. When, when we're talking, of course, we're talking about woman. It's talking about material conditioning, but generally we tend to underestimate our material conditioning. It is very powerful. Um, so generally that's... Well, it's not only recommended, but in Vedic culture it's by, by force. It's, it's required. It's, it's, it's a sin on the, on the part of the father if he doesn't marry her before puberty. It's actually a, it's considered a sin. On the other hand, our, our modern life is so far away from Vedic culture that you know, sometimes we try to follow Vedic standards in a highly un-Vedic world and that also doesn't always bring a very happy result. So it requires a lot of intelligence to apply these principles in an unprincipled world. That's a general observation. Yeah, so, more questions? Sometimes in the name of being Vedic, you know, so the wife must be submissive to the husband. and that, that, So, all right, that means the husband becomes like a complete tyrant and, and thinks the wife is like some kind of slave or something. But that's that's also a misunderstanding. <laughs> Yeah. Most, many of these questions, you know, you could speak for days in reply, but we have to try and keep it brief. Well, <clears throat> I would say 
comic cartoons in general are especially damaging. Sometimes you wonder, I was supposed as a comic to be involved with that business. And sometimes you wonder, who are these people making these cartoons? And, you know, we are not speaking about somebody probably everybody here knows, Mr. Walt Disney, who was starting this idea in a very romantic way. Princess and prince getting married on a castle where they lived forever. Happily ever after. Happily ever after, which made me, as a, early as a child, very disturbed because I knew there's the end missing, you know. They never told me what they did in that castle at the end. So, anyway, but, you know, I would say, you know, there's no spiritual use, of course not, but this this is not the real damage. But the real damage is the present generation of cartoon movies which are done by psychic maniacs, you know, producing by people who are intoxicated to do these movies, producing a speed to catch that child's senses, you know, they put in a speed and insanity and brutality and violence which you don't find even in the movies for grown-up people. You know, because in cartoon enables you to depict violence, you know, uh, in a such a way as you cannot do with a normal actor. The brutality of this movie sometimes is just ghastly. It's called children movies. You know, the 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 people get squeezed against the walls and mushed up, and the eyes pop out, and you know, and. That's Tom and Jerry. That's that's something. That's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> that's where it started. That's just you know that's Maharaj is knowledgeable. Though. That's quite innocent. I used to watch that as a kid myself. <laughs> that's that's quite innocent compared to some of the more. I just saw things. in our community somebody came up with Tom and Jerry. I mean, we really plucked this out. This is where the line goes. No more Tom and Jerry. War on Tom and Jerry. You know, because the. The child, watch your child watching Tom and Jerry. They cannot go to sleep. The kids are just, you know, all the senses and the mind just thrill. Of course, somebody may start to argue now. What about our Ramayana or Mahabharata? Krishna book. You know, Krishna takes the demon and just rips his head off and just... It's actually quite heavy. It's amazing thing is, I never saw a child being upset or traumatized from that. But you put them on Tom and Jerry, you will see. They get violent to each other, they scream, you know, because children have the tendency to react things, what they see. Every teacher in a school will tell you the worst thing is the Monday. 
where the children come back from the weekend, which they spent in front of the TV. Full with this. And Tom and Jerry is the harmless beginning of much more ghastly movies. I mean, it's unbelievable. You show such a movie, children movie, even to my father who likes to watch, you know, cartoons, he will just flip out on these new movies. Yeah, I think it must be psychologically damaged people it's, who it's, make them. It's, 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 uh, yeah. you know, these people take drugs when they do this. Otherwise, you cannot have developed that kind of perception. <laughs> I was, as a child, associating with people like this. We had once a man who was making a children cartoons at the lunch, you know, in our home. And, you know, and I was maybe six years old boy. So I was eating. Suddenly the man goes, stop this. He pulls a stopwatch. He said, can you do it again? And I was like, <coughs> you know, and then I again ate and he was timing the whole thing. Because in a cartoon, everything is about speed. So you first you calculate the real speed of that movement, then you speed it up, make it bizarre to catch the senses. And as the degradation of society is progressing, you know, they have to catch the senses more and more in a more violent way and it starts with the children. Huh? So, uh, Yes, it's a fact. We would need few more cartoon movies for children because it's extremely attractive. You know, but uh, at least parents should understand. Don't put them in front of Tom and Jerry, please. Don't wonder that these kids become like, you know, like, you know, maniacs running around. Especially boys. So, one uh, one devotee I know who actually joined our movement before Prabhupada left, but he was initiated by disciple of Prabhupada. He's, and he's living in New Zealand and he's been married to the same wife for, you know, 30 years or something. And he's he's devotee I respect. So he told me that he doesn't totally ban his t- kids from watching TV, but he watches, he chooses the programs and he watches with them. And he says, I also like comedies, so I chose some, in, some family comedies. And, and so that may not be the highest ideal, but that's, I mean, he gives them plenty of Krishna conscious also, but he's, he's not so inflexible that it's, you know, they have to be like, Rishis and like that. he gives them a little room. That mm-hmm. You can watch watches TV, but he he chooses old comedies, mm-hmm. not the new ones, but old. You know when people were more innocent. <laughs> very, they used to have very there's, innocent films, which mm-hmm. are just you know they're just slapstick and just mm-hmm. funny. There's there's one thing if you really in live as we it was just mentioned here before a few minutes. 
It's very difficult to do something purely Vedic in such a non-Vedic society. So if you ban something so heavily, this increases the interest of the child immensely. It becomes very interesting. This is forbidden. You know. But when you actually do this in a dosed way, and simultaneously add to the Sankam preaching. And he sits with them and laughs with yes. them. Or you tell them, a family affair. Yeah. Or, you, or, you, or you tell them, this is stupid, isn't it? Usually kids agree, actually, this is stupid. You know. So one can explain to them. And as mentioned here, this is so important that it's done with assistance. People usually park the kids in front of TV as a solution to a problem. And they don't have to look after them. I know it's sometimes, I know Grihastas and I, I went through this whole thing is that it gives you, you know, half an hour chanting time, right? Something like that. You know, sometimes Grihastas are desperate, especially the divorced ones. That's, you know, that's classical. I just spoke with, with, with Brahmacharis from Berlin, preaching from Berlin Center. I was in Munich. I met them there. They asked me, what shall we do? Our Sunday feast, the public is becoming the same. The whole public is one woman, one child, no husband. One woman, one child, no husband. One man. You have a whole Sunday feast like this. And they said, we are Brahmacharis, you know. <laughs> How do you preach to this? It's becoming a standard thing. You make a public program, it's all sitting there. One woman, one child, no husband. One woman, one child, no husband. Becoming epidemic. And then you have to discuss a TV problem. Yeah, of course, the wife, the woman is desperate, alone, the child, maybe even two, overpowered, no power, maybe she wants to even change her own peacefully, well then she parks the kid in front of the TV. It's all interlinked, these things. We saw children coming from this, one one woman, one child. We don't want to discourage anybody, there are simply too many ladies out there lonely with the children. But what the children have to go through, it's heavy. It's always a loser's game. There is just missing the other thing. So it's interlinked. Anyway, I'm too long, you know. Oof. No, it's fine. These are important. They like a. It's connected. No, these things need to be discussed. It's just there's so many questions coming. But even even one of these questions, you know, we we need to discuss for hours. That's one reason I like to write books because it you can take some subject and discuss it, and, and then it's it's not the solution to everything, but it's like some kind of guide. So because the same questions come up again and again and again all over the world. Don't have any more. All right. Is that the time? 8.30? That's supposed to be the time for the end of the questions and answers session, but we just began. They said 9. Maybe I'll go out at 10 to 9 or something. So we can all... I like to get up a little.
Hm. Ja. It's a very good translation. You're a good translator. (laughs) You're an honest man. (laughs) Well, it's a well-formulated question if the person doesn't have English as their first language. Even if it was their first language, it would be a well-formulated question. So? Me or you? This is your question. This is your question. All right. Yeah, Krishna knows everything. But at the same time, we have free will. Krishna knows that he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And at the same time, he doesn't know. If he didn't know, if he did know, then he then there would he couldn't be afraid of Mother Yashoda. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains that he simultaneously knows and doesn't know, and that is not understandable by material intelligence. He never forgets that he is the supreme person. He always knows. He simultaneously knows, and he forgets. So yes, Krishna knows everything. But at the same time, we have free will. It's not programmed. They're not programmed. Otherwise, there's no, if we don't have some independence, then, there's, then then there's no meaning to life. There's no meaning to emotions, feelings, relationships. Then, then there's no difference between matter and spirit. Then, uh, then we come to voidism or in that everything is equal to nothing. So Krishna knows everything, and at the same time we have free will, and it is not both things must be true, even if you consider logically. How is how is that possible? That is understandable by Krishna. That is not understandable by us. 
that may not satisfy your sense of logic, but logic only goes so far. That's why philosophy in and of itself, the philosophical attempt can never reach to Krishna. When we discuss Krishna conscious philosophy, it means to understand reality as it is. It doesn't mean that we are, we are using our intelligence to capture reality. We cannot. There was a book years ago someone showed me like how to be a philosopher. It was written facetiously. It was like how to impress people at parties that you know about philosophy. So you you, you know, and he and it said and uh, it gave a few a few punchlines that you should you know you say about Nietzsche and you quote this and about Hegel and you quote this Sartre and you quote this. But he said, but he warned at the beginning of the book, this is not for discussing with Hare Krishna devotees. <laughs> not that kind of philosophy. This is the kind of philosophy just for showing off, that's all. This is academic, show off that you're academic. But, but what we call philosophy and what Hare Krishna people call is something different altogether. The materialistic demeanor cannot possibly stretch to the transcendental autocrat. He is the transcendental autocrat. He's in complete control. We have a little independence. It's the independence of of as much independence as a mouse has with a cat. The difference is that Krishna is our well-wisher. That's all. Questions have to be written down, please. Unless there's some immediate point of clarification, as you may. This is one for you. Husbands and wives. Uh, did women in Vedic system accept Diksha as it is customized today in Vishnu, or did they more follow authorities like husband or elders in the family? What if a woman today wants to follow her husband and not accept Diksha? This is for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, well, when we say traditionally, Vedic tradition is very broad. In general, women didn't accept Diksha directly, but their marriage was, they, they only, women only have one sangska, which is marriage, and everything, by being married, everything else is included. They marry a boy who's received Brahminical diksha, which again is different to the kind of, it's a different kind of diksha to that which is, that, that's Vaidik diksha, Vaidiki diksha to be precise, which is, uh, generally more or less mundane, it's Karmakandiya, and they become a Brahmana or a Kshatriyani by marriage, 
they, they be, the woman becomes qualified to cook, which will be offered to the family Shamagram Shila, which is not only worshipped by Vaishnavas, but by other Shaivas, and they may also worship Shamagram Shila. So they become qualified simply by that, by their marriage. And an, an interesting thing, as a tangential point, is that women don't go to study in the Gurukul, but that doesn't mean that they're not educated, because it's the duty of the... The husband is the guru of the wife, and that doesn't mean that he just bosses her around, but he has to teach her everything he learned in the Gurukul. He has to teach his wife. He's supposed to teach her. That's how she learns. He may not teach in the great detail, but but uh, he, it's his duty to teach her. Um, so that's Vaidiki Diksha. Now, Vaidiki Diksha is not recommended for Kali Yoga. Pancharatriki Diksha is recommended because Vaidiki Diksha requires a high level of qualification, which is unusual in Kali Yoga. So Pancharatriki Diksha is given if anyone is desirous to come to the highest standard and is showing sincerity to do so. Pancharatriki Diksha is uh, immediately connects one to the spiritual platform, whereas Vaidiki Diksha is, uh, unless it's given specifically by Vaishnavas, often tends to be superfluous and external. So Pancharatuki Diksha immediately connects us to the spiritual platform and therefore according to the Pancharatuki system even Shudras can be initiated, which they can't in the Vaidiki system. They don't get, they're not twice born. So Shudras and women who are normally not initiated, they, they are initiated by Pancharatuki system. That's why they can also directly worship Shamagram Srila, which they can't. By the Vaidiki, so they can worship deities theoretically, although traditionally in India it's not done. I mean, in, in public temples, Prabhupada instituted that. So, yeah, w- women can be initiated by the Pancharatri system, and uh, what's that? They, then they don't have to follow their husbands. No, that's not true. What's the What's the question about husbands? They don't need diksha. Well, some some devotees in our movement say that that. Well, I'm initiated, so my wife doesn't need to be initiated. She just needs to follow me. Well, theoretically, although um, although in the Gorya Sampradaya, that's that's and and in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, that which the Gorya Sampradaya in, in many ways follows, the initiate it, it is given to women. Although traditionally in the Gorya Sampradaya, the the Brahma Gayatri is not given to women, which Prabhupada gave. Although the other Pancharatriki mantras may be given. So when we start talking about Diksha, it's, it's quite a complex subject because what people, it, it means different things in different circumstances and different, different sampradayas and different levels of adhikar or eligibility. But uh, women, can be initiated in the Gorya Sampradaya, they should be initiated. Generally, if someone says, well, I'm, I'm initiated as a Brahmana, therefore my wife automatically, well, that's according to the Vaidiki system. Not according to the, you're initiated by Pancharatriki system, which is as good or even better than the Vedic system. 
but then you better be pretty good and be a guru and uh, instruct your wife. But the general standard, the, the, the normal thing they do, that women should also be initiated. There's a, as with other questions, there's a lot more to say, but I don't know how much you understood of what I said. So, Vedic system, that means the, uh, that would generally be in families. The son of a Brahmana is a Brahmana, the son of a Kshatriya is a Kshatriya. The father, that's the Upanayanam Samskar, which is, one may have Upanayanam Samskar, but still requires, that's not necessarily Vaishnavi Diksha. It's often, often Brahman, people from Brahmin families in India who take to, Krishna consciousness in Iskon, even though they're, they're, they're practicing, there's some they, they practice the, the Trisandhyam, they chant the Gayatri Mantra three times, and they, they often don't understand the difference between between uh, between uh, their so-called Vedic initiation, which is not really Vedic, because they if they took Actual Vaidik Upanayana, they should have gone to the Gurukul. It's, it's, Upanayana means after you're supposed to go to the Gurukul, but they, it's just a formality. But they chant the mantra and they feel they're religious by doing so. Often if they, usually if they, if they come like that, I give them immediately Brahmin initiation in our Vaishnava system to save them from their Karma Kandiya, not because they're more qualified, but because they're attached to their Karma Kandiya rituals to save them from that. So immediately along with Harinam, give them Vaishnavi Pantaratriki Diksha. Not because they're more qualified, because they have some material attachment to something which they think which is spiritual, but it's not actually. Yeah, anyway. What do I think? Who am I? <laughs> Our duty is to follow Guru Sadhu Shastra. <laughs> it's a dangerous question. What do I think? That's 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 the way Kamis talk. What do you think? But rather, it should be what is the Siddhanta according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra. If it's just my opinion. Your opinion, someone else's opinion. That's what the Kami is saying. Everyone's entitled their opinion. We don't, we don't think that. We don't agree with that. If it's what do I think, and then, then I say to you, and then you think, well, okay, well maybe I think that, maybe I accept that also, and then it's, what do you think, and then what do I think, and it's all the same. That's, it's the wrong question to ask. So, what's what's the question? About the statement that the, uh, 
true and what should we do to have a, uh, a strong sadhana and not be senseless? Strong sadhana can make your heart hard. Well, first of all, we should understand what sadhana means. Sadhana is not a set of rules and regulations. Sadhana means that which leads to sadhya, or the goal of life. So rules and regulations in and of themselves do not lead to the goal of life. The rules and regulations are a medium for awakening our loving feelings for Krishna, which means softening of heart not hardening of heart. So if we if we think that sadhana means simply following some rules, then we never understood what sadhana is in the first place. Sadhana, as I was saying the other day, was, was that here, I think? Uh, sadhana means that there are rules and regulations, but that is to, that is to facilitate hearing and chanting about Krishna in the association of advanced devotees by doing which one becomes attracted to Krishna. So strong sadhana doesn't necessarily mean rigidly following the rules. Although our acharyas, Raghunath Das Goswami, who is known as the, among the six Goswamis who are all rasik bhaktas of the highest order, he was known as the most. He is, his writings are <coughs> they are the, actually the highest in all <coughs> in, in existence. The writings of Raghunath Vilap Kusumanjali, the, the aspirations to to serve Radharani as, in, as a young Girl, Gopi, desperate feelings for serving Radharan. But it's said that his regulative principles were so strict, they were like the lines on a stone. So his, his following of sadhana was very strict, but his heart was completely soft. So it's not that, sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't follow so strictly, you shouldn't be so fanatical, as if it's something very hard. But actually, if one's actually following, one follows sadhana very strictly because he has full faith in Rupa Goswami and all the acharyas that this process will lead to purification of heart, which means softness of heart. Again, we, we, we should also not be too quick to judge what hardness of heart is. The sahajiyas are very soft externally, but internally they're scheming how to get sense gratification, although they make a big show of being soft. Whereas our acharyas, Gorkishaw Das Babaji Maharaj and Srila Bhaktis Taka, they appear to be very hard and harsh. But if we if we think they're actually hard and harsh, then it's a terrible miscalculation and a great offense. Their hearts were completely soft in love of Krishna, but they, they didn't exhibit that so it wouldn't be exploited by cheaters who in the name of so-called love want to cheat Krishna and cheat others. So they were very hard, external, hard in their, in their preaching because they had such love for Krishna. They didn't want to see 
Krishna misused by these sahajiyas. So apparently they were very hard. But their, their hearts were very soft. If not, then how could they, how is this Krishna conscious movement going on now? How is there even talk of love of Krishna? If they had not had so much love for Krishna to make the effort to fight against Maya very strongly, very rigidly. So don't be misled by externals. Often those who appear very soft, they, they can be very, in, in, inside they're very hard. Not necessarily so, but often. So what what we may see to be hard may be softness, and it can. What it, what is stated is that tapasya can make can make the heart hard. Unnecessary austerities, which are accepted just because one has the tendency to be like that, or but not accepted specifically for the sake of attaining Krishna or pleasing Krishna, such austerities make the heart hard. But a devotee who accepts austerities because they, they're very eager to attain Krishna consciousness, then that will never make the heart hard. Although it may appear so to persons who, who want to be soft on themselves so that, that, so that they can softly enjoy sense gratification. They may criticize. This is hard. They don't want to be... We should be hard on our own desires for sense gratification. That hardness is wanted. If we're attached to sense gratification, there can never be... There can, there can never be love of Krishna or even the beginnings of it. The, the, the softness and tolerance of this material world is is not at all favorable for Krishna consciousness. The tolerance of of sense gratification, the tolerance of material desires, it appears to be soft, but it's actually it it's fosters hardness of heart. What I mean, we see that people who talk about tolerance, love, peace in very vague terms, they're often in practical dealings, they're often the most hard and harsh and nasty people. And if, if you, if you say, well, we don't accept this, this mushy, that's a Kundali favorite word, it's a good word. This wishy-washy tolerance that of, of sense gratification, then they be, if, if you say that this, no, there should be discipline, there should be principles, then you, then they become hard like anything. So their so-called softness is just an excuse for, for sense gratification, which means exploiting others. It's a hypocritical way of appearing to be very fair and reasonable to others and creating an atmosphere in which they can exploit them. Prabhupada immediately saw this in the so-called women's liberation movement, that it's in the name of being fair to women and giving them equal opportunities, you're just giving... You're, you're dissolving responsibility and leaving women unprotected and easy to exploit by unprincipled men in the name of being fair. So, get your definitions right. What, what is hardness? What is softness? 
What is tolerance? What is love? What is peace? What is sadhana? First of all, you should understand the meanings of these words. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you I'm already angry from the last question. <laughs> what Prabhupada said and what he would do now. <laughs> we better take this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is pretty like this, you know. <laughs> It was a physical reaction already at the beginning of the question. <laughs> I mean, you mean they're like different Prabhupads, right? The inside Prabhupada, outside Prabhupada, the Indian Prabhupada, the Western Prabhupada. Come on. There's only one Prabhupada. And he said, I'm in my books. One pro- I, I'm just going to give a little bit. Bhakti Siddhan Sarasvatako said, a sadhu, the characteristic of a sadhu is inside and outside the same. Hmm. So this idea that Prabhupada said this, but you have to look into his heart and understand. It's very dangerous. Very, extremely dangerous. This is exactly defeating the whole appearance of Prabhupada. Hmm. Who was so powerful? Because he was inside, outside the same. He didn't have even something you could call nowadays is very popular private life. You know, all the politicians they come out and they speak so many nice things. Then they go home and they act like pigs, and that's the private life. You know, this is exactly what we came here to Krishna consciousness to avoid. And that's what makes Shri Prabhupada so powerful and so impressive. There was Prabhupada and that was it. And somebody venging on this kind of trip, he actually places himself Above Prabhupada. Because he wants to now analyze Prabhupada. In a not Shastric way. In his subjective, you know, way. So, this whole line of questioning and analyzing is completely off. Who would here dare stand up and say, well, I think 
that I feel that Prabhupada felt when he said like this, that he actually meant like that. If you hear anybody coming that way, please get out of there. Prabhupada is totally self-explanatory. You don't need to analyze him that way. Yeah, like you're saying that it defeats the whole point of his appearance, then you can just interpret anything you like. (laughs) Now, it is true that Prabhupada said different things at different times and, and in different circumstances. That requires to be intelligently and understood. Intelligently not means, that doesn't mean with crooked intelligence, but with intelligence, uh, understanding that he is axiomatically on a level higher than us and that we have to accept his instructions with reverence and submission and sincerity in the spirit of following. Then everything will become clear. It's not, as Prabhupada so many times said, Krishna consciousness is not very difficult. It only becomes difficult when we start interpreting it in different ways for our own sense gratification. There's a, a means for our own sense gratification. <clears throat> This book on Srila Bhaktisthan Sarasar Thakur, which is in the final editing now, one of the, one of his main themes of his preaching was, was dealing with hypocrisy in the name of Krishna consciousness. So there's a lot of, lot of very powerful stuff about this. And I, I think it's going to be very valuable because actually Prabhupada didn't deal with it to the same extent that his own Guru Maharaj did because many or most of his disciples who came to him were actually in many ways very innocent and sincere to serve. And I would say it it seems that there's more hypocrisy nowadays. Maybe that's a subjective opinion. What do you think? But at least we didn't hear such things in, in those days. It was just Prabhupada said, oh, okay. And it wasn't, you know, you have to make a psychological analysis of what Prabhupada said. That's what I, if Prabhupada came now, and there's what that, I often say, if Prabhupada came now, again, they'd send him for psychological counseling. <laughs> It's, this kind of approach is well into the arena of offensiveness. That's why Mahindrapabhu said, if you hear this kind of thing, get out of there. It's very dangerous reasoning. I'm going to finish now. Yes. Otherwise we're going to start beating people up. Yes. <laughs> It's 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 very disturbing to hear this kind of thing. Very offensive, actually. This kind of... It's distasteful. People think they have more intelligence than the Acharya of the whole world. and They, they know how to... 
they they have to interpret shastra through their their lecture academic education and and then the, the, the greater authority becomes some some other you know some crazy instead of writing cartoons some crazy guy was writing psychological books <laughs> and, and, and these become our authorities <laughs> actually those people who are writing the cartoons they be, they be, they're crazy like that because they're brought up in a culture which accepted people like Freud as, as gurus his idea to to make people his psychoanalysis has been, his idea to break down people's and 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 re re put them back together again and, and he's crazy himself and the whole society they have such respect for this psychology and and we have Prabhupada and then we 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 want to put Prabhupada through psychological analysis Hare Krishna. Samsara dava nala liuta loka tranaya karanya ghana ghana praptasya kalyana gunana vasya vandegaroshi charnaravinda. We don't accept this, that the spiritual master is receiving benedict. He's distributing mercy from Krishna. It's not Prabhupada's 19th century Bengali ideas from, from a culture which is, you know, unfair and, and, anyway, enough for now. Hare Krishna.